My prayer this morning, Father, is a simple one, that you would give me a heart for your word and a word for our hearts. Amen. When I was in seminary, I actually took Methodist polity, which was three semesters, and I took Baptist polity, which was one semester. Uh, actually, the pastor last week and I took the course together because she said, you know, you never know, you might wind up being a Baptist. And to be a Baptist pastor, you have to take Baptist history and polity as well. So I may be one of the few people that took both Methodist and Baptist. Now, I don't know if you know this, but when Methodists make a theological decision, they use what's called the Wesleyan quadrilateral. And it says a, a quality decision, a theological, theological decision, needs to be based on four things. Scripture, experience, tradition, and reason. Here's the problem with that. I served a church that was built just after the Civil War. And on every pew in that church, there was a little brass number. Four rows back was a little brass thing that said pastor's pew. And... And I, I'm sorry to say, this is over 120 years ago, when you came in the front door of the church, there was a big entrance to the sanctuary, and then there was a staircase that went up to the balcony. Because worship was segregated. If we were to go with tradition, we would not be allowed to worship together. The black folks had to go upstairs. They were not allowed in the sanctuary. They couldn't set foot in the sanctuary. Now, what are the brass numbers for? I like this one. You had to pay for your pew. They took the budget for the year, and they said, okay, it's going to cost us $1,000, or $1,000. That means every pew is worth $20, and everybody had to pay for their pew. Now, the good news is if you pay for your pew, and it's Easter, some creaster, some C&E is not going to come and take your pew, because you paid for that pew. And the church was assured that they had the money to get through the year, and you were assured that you had a place to sit. Scripture, experience, tradition, and reason. You can't always make good decisions on that. So then what do you do? Well, you got to get one of these. What is this? This is the top of a three-legged stool. Now, I don't know if you know this, but a three-legged stool is actually sturdier than a four-legged stool. Do you know why? Well, I'll tell you. Do you remember in geometry, they said it takes three points to identify a plane? Those three legs, no matter how you set them, is going to be a solid base. If you do four, like if you go to a restaurant and they say, do you want a high top? I hate the high tops. And you get up on that chair and it wobbles because four legs are harder to make a sturdy base them three. Well, then what are we going to do? Well, we need to have a way to grow spiritually. So this is the professor and me. I apologize in advance, but I gave, when I taught at the college, a test every week. Now, if you want, you may groan. I'll say it again, and then you can groan. I gave a test every week. There you go. Why? Why did I do that? And I told the students on the first day of class, I want you to learn what I have to teach. So next week, we're going to have a test on what we learned this week. Right? 
And I said, if you stick with me for this journey through the whole 16 weeks at the college, when you get out of my class, you will be ready for any class you take. Developmental psych, abnormal psych, sociology, whatever you take, I will give you a foundation because you learned my subject. Now, for those of you that went to college already, remember that professor that would give you an exam on five chapters at the same time? And you crammed it into your brain, and then three weeks later it was gone. It just flittered away like fog on a mountain. Why don't we give tests in church? I think it would be fun to give a little 10 question true false on what we learned this week next. Wouldn't that be fun? I think that would be fun. It's always more fun for the team. Jonathan is like going, no, we are not. It would be fun to give a little true false, maybe one essay at the bottom. What was, what did you think? I know we're not going to give tests, but we should. There's a speaker. His name is Juan Carlos Ortiz. Uh, he came to this country, I'd say in the 60s, from, I think it was Bolivia. But anyway, he had ordered all these wonderful, magical things about America that they had automatic transmission and the car would shift itself. And it had a, a power brakes and the car would stop itself. Now, what he said about church was, church is like taking piano lessons. And uh, the first day, the pastor gets up and he says, okay. There are sets of three and two and three and two black notes on the piano. If you go to the middle one, that's middle C. And I want you to go home this week, and I want you to practice hitting middle C so that next week you can hear the next sermon. The people come back. The pastor says, did you all find middle, middle C? And the whole church goes, yes, we did. Nobody found middle C. But yes, pastor, we did it. We did what you said. He says, okay, then I want you to put your thumb on middle C and go like this. C, D, E, F, G. And I want you to practice that up and down, up and down for the whole week. Everybody comes back. He says, oh, did you learn your, your five notes in a row? And everybody goes, yes, pastor, we learned our five notes in a row. After three years, he thinks the entire congregation is playing the Blue Danube Waltz, and they still can't find middle C. So what I'm going to ask you to do, and we're not going to ask you to say it out loud, is give yourself a grade, a checkup from the neck up. Are you an A student? Are you praying and reading and in touch with the Holy Spirit every day? Are you a B student? Are you a C student? Have you found the school yet? See, the church doesn't take the time to think about our individual spiritual growth. I, I, I don't want to give a report card or a progress report. You're in charge of that. But the most, most people in the church come, hear the message, and they still can't find middle C. So back to my stool. I believe there are three things that we need as a church, not just kings, but as a church universal. If we build our church on these three things, we can recapture the excitement of the first century church. Leg number one. Now, you can't see this on the recording, but I actually have a stool with legs that screw in. So, leg number one has got to be Scripture. Can we agree? Yeah. Now, there's two ways to talk about Scripture if you're talking to a theologian. 
One is prima scriptura, scripture first, and the other is sola scriptura, which means scripture alone. Now, you have to think for a second, which is more important, scripture first or scripture alone? I'm going to tell you, in this church, it's scripture alone. Anybody tells you something that ain't in the book, then it ain't part of our church. Scripture alone, sola scriptura. So, I want you to take your fingers like this. Told you it was a children's sermon. You're going to start with your pinky. Say, here. Read. Study. Memorize. Meditate. And the meditate is the one that holds it all together. Make a fist. Let's try that again. Here. You've got to come to church and hear it. That's my job. That's Wiki's job. Read. You have to, you have to study it on, or read it on your own. Study. Memorize. Meditate. Okay? Now, I'm going to do it one more time. I do this with my students at school. We're going to do it in slow motion. You ready? Study, memorize, meditate. Now, most of us don't talk about meditation, and we, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, but I remind you, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And the way I teach the teenagers to meditate, because they think you've got to like cross your legs, which I'll never be able to do again with my knee replacements, you know, and you, you put your fingers in a little circle, you go, um, that's, that's not what it means. It means, what does this scripture mean for me in my heart? So an acting uh, exercise actually works really well with this, where you take one word of the sentence and you emphasize it so that it, it's pretty cool. Watch. I can do all things who strengthens It's Christ who strengthens me. I can. Hear the difference? Do all things. I can do all things. I can do all things. I can do all things through Christ. I can do th all things through Christ who strengthens. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, if you're not getting Holy Spirit goosebumps yet, you're not following along. You've got to, let's do it one more time. Hear, read, study, memorize, meditate. Can we sit on the stool yet? No, this would not be a very good stool. So let's put another leg in. This is Wiki's favorite leg, and it's one of my favorites as well. This would be prayer. Now, do you remember the five-finger prayer? We're going to start at the thumb this time. Scripture starts at the pinky. Prayer starts at the thumb. Do you remember? You're scamming. That's why we should have a test every week. Here we go. Okay. Folks, you've got to work with me. It's this children's sermon. The thumb says you're going to pray for the people that are closest to you. Index finger is for the people who teach. The tall one, we prayed for them today, is for the people who rule over us. 
There are people making decisions for us that we need to pray for so that they make good decisions. This finger is the weakest finger. This is for the sick and the infirmed. And this finger is for you. Um, there's a cute little um, children's sermon where you go, J-O-Y, how do you find joy? You put Jesus first, others second, and yourself last. So here we go. Let's see how we do. Thumb means you pray for those who are close to you. And next finger? Those who teach. That would be your pastors. Please pray for us. Next one is for the government, people in authority over you. The next finger is for the sick and the weak. And the last is for yourself. Now, why did I choose the scripture today? If you were looking, it's pretty cool. The scripture says, teach me, give me understanding, lead me, incline my heart, turn my eyes, and confirm to your servant your promise that I might turn away from reproach and you would give me life. The entire Psalm 119 is a prayer. What do you pray for? That's a great question. For what do you pray? Do you pray for these five things? Do you pray for emergencies as they arise? What is it? Corey Tim Boom says, is, is your prayer life a steering wheel or a life preserver? Yeah. Right? Are, are you asking God to tell you which way to go? Or are you only praying when your boat is sinking? Or you're like Peter on the water. Lord, help me. Because he took his eyes off Jesus and he was sinking. I talked to a guy yesterday who listens to my sermons online. And he said, I can actually hear you when you turn the pages. So I have to be more gentle. Many Christians today, I want you to hear this, are sitting on a stool that is missing a leg. Or has one leg that's longer than all the others. Or has not yet made the decision to sit with God. So I've got two legs on my stool. I've got my scripture leg. I've got my prayer leg. Can I sit on the stool yet? I need my third leg. The third leg is probably, in the church today, the most elusive leg. It's the one we talk about the least, which is funny because several of my sermons this summer have revolved on this leg. The third leg is the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to look at my stool. Can you tell which leg is which? Isn't that exciting? I want you to hear that. You can't, tell which, you can't tell which is the scripture leg, which is the prayer leg, which is the Holy Spirit leg. Why? Because we're not allowed to judge each other's stools. Now, if there's a medical person in the room, I just made an opportunity for a really bad joke. But you're not allowed to examine each other's three-legged stool. You have to fix your own. Now, here's the nice thing. I set it down. You can put something on that. It's a little small for me to sit on, and I need help getting up from the deacons. So what do you do? If you're taking notes, this is where you start writing things down. You've got to pick a time and a place to sit on your stool. Think about Daniel. Daniel had windows on his second floor that faced home because he missed Jerusalem. And what did he do three times a day? He went up there prayed. And everybody knew he did it, and they knew that was his time. Uh, 
I had a pastor when I was growing up, and the first thing he said in the pulpit on his first Sunday is, don't call my house between 5 and 6. That is my time with my family. That's my dinner time. If it's an emergency, it can wait until 6 o'clock. I need to carve out that time so that I can be a quality dad and husband to my family. Well, that was in the days when the phone was connected to the wall and we didn't all have it in our pockets. I think I told you I was reading a book by an author named Tim Elmore. And he said, when phones had leashes, we were truly free. I was, I was on vacation in Colorado with my family and I had patients texting me. Dr. Madison, can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? And I answered back quickly, and I reminded them I was on vacation. But out of the seven days I was away, only one day did somebody, a patient, not text me with a question or a concern. When phones had leashes, we were truly free. God says, please carve out some time for me. A place and a time. And then I want you to think about this. It becomes our place. If Vicki and I were going to have a place, it would probably be the Phillies. She loves the Phillies. Our first date was at the Phillies. We go every Sunday game that we can. And that's, that's our time. And you know what? People know that. You know that. If it's a Phillies game, we're going to run in the office. We're going to take off our church clothes, put on our Phillies gear, and get to the stadium as fast as we can. Why? Because it's important to her. And if it's important to her, it's important to me. Step number one in building your stool is pick a time and a place, a consistent time and place, for you to work on your relationship with God. Now, the second thing I need you to do is think about picking a book of the Bible. A lot of people start at Genesis and they get to the begats and they, they're done. He begat and she begat, 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 begat. My job here is to tell you about Jesus. So pick one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. And if you, if you look at your Bible, there's those little headings and then a short story and a heading and a short story. Does anybody remember the fancy word for those? See, this is why we need to give a test. It's called a pericope. If you read one pericope a day and you didn't read any last week, you are one pericope ahead of where you were last week. If you read one a day, God is not... It's not a race to see who gets through the most. God says, make time for me and read my word. Hear it, read it, study it, memorize it, meditate on it. The last thing is, you have to make time to not only pray, but to listen and to meditate. The Holy Spirit's job is to guide us, remind us, empower us, and reveal God's word and plan to us. I don't have a children's sermon for the Holy Spirit other than the balloons. Now, isn't that funny? We all remember the balloons, right? I had the one with the end cut off. The Holy Spirit just sort of went through, didn't stick. I had the one that had a knot tied in it. There was something in your life that was keeping you from getting the Holy Spirit. I had the water balloon. Who doesn't love a good water balloon in July? Right? Your life was filled with something else other than the Holy Spirit and then the balloon that I could build up, blow up and make an animal with was saying, God, fill me. So the question today 
is how stable is your stool? Does it wobble? Is one leg longer than the others? Are you even looking for the stool? The second thing I want you to think about is if you don't have a stool to sit on, to put your faith on, why not? Today's your big opportunity. You can say, you know what, Madison? Today's the day. I'm going to work on those three things. I'm going to put the word into my heart. I'm going to spend quality time in prayer. And I'm going to open my heart and my mind and my life so that the Holy Spirit can fill me, guide me, and work through me. Where and on what is your faith sitting? If you're asking me, I would recommend a three-legged stool. Amen.